welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is kate stephens welcome kate thank you so much rama yeah thanks for being on the show It's a privilege to be here. I appreciate the invitation. That's very nice of you. Sure. A little bit about Kate. Kate has worked in the medical device industry in the UK and the USA for 20 years and she is currently at a small startup working with a really fun group of people in the infection prevention space. She started her real estate investment journey by buying a small house in an area she didn't know. Everything you aren't supposed to do, she got away with it and sold it a few years later buying a few single family houses in a good area she knew. She was a single family home investor moved to some small multis and have sold most of them and now investing exclusively in syndications she is currently in 11 different syndications with five different sponsors with that kate would you like to add anything to your background no i think you captured it my background's um you know s- certainly mixed and i've done um, a range of different things in the real estate investment space i also am a mum which is i think my most important role that i have um and i think that frames much of what we do and i was also a professional skydiver for quite a while so i think that shapes <laughs> shapes a lot of my decision making too i'm in the medical device um area now and i'm really passionate about real estate investing and um it's been a really important part of my wealth management strategy so i'm appreciate the opportunity to talk about it with you rama sure so why you choose real estate and multifamily road kid sure so as you mentioned in the introduction i started the way that you're not supposed to start so where i was living in the uk i couldn't afford to buy a house and i knew that real estate was something that sort of you know wealthy people had lots of houses and so i thought it was a it was a good thing to do not because i had a particular urge to be wealthy but i wanted to have enough cash that i could i could travel and have a little control over my own destiny and that you know being old and poor was going to probably be a bit depressing so i wanted to make sure i had had an appropriate you know income in as as a pension so i bought a house um mostly on a credit card actually in an area that was 5 hours away from where i lived that i didn't know and the company that i bought it through was sort of a, what we would call here a turnkey company and they turned out to be terrible and um were in fact there was a fraud investigation done on them and they were closed down but what was my saving grace and has been my saving grace through most of my real estate investments that whilst that was not a smart move the house itself was actually a good house and because i communicated with them i was kind of a bit of a pain as i think and i was really on top of the numbers and the rent flow and the property and where it was and the tenants and just communicating with them and so i didn't really get screwed over in a way that some other people did and i think so i think communication is kind of really important and actually i ended up just taking the house back to ma- to manage it myself i managed it with the tenant um, it actually went sort of much better and i i the tenant moved out and i sold it um you know it i actually made 
twice what I paid for it when I sold it. And then I used that to buy houses around the corner from where I lived in areas that I knew and in a rental market that I knew. And I still actually have those those properties today. So, um, you know, it started how you're not supposed to start, but I did get away with it more by luck than judgment, to be quite honest. <laughs> and and then I bought a few single family houses in the UK and then I moved to the US um, in 2009, 2010 timeframe. And of course, the housing market was sort of in disarray. And I came over and worked here and I really did the same thing. I bought um, you know, a house to live in and then I rented it out and then I bought another one and just sort of saved up some money when I had enough money for a deposit. I bought another house and they were all within a couple of miles of where I lived in areas that I knew. And my theory, I didn't care about cash flow at that point in time. I just wanted to buy the properties to, and as long as they didn't cost me money every month, um, I didn't really care. And so I knew that as long as the mortgages were being paid down, they were on, you know, long-term low interest fixed debt and they were nice houses in a nice area. That was sort of good enough for me. And I didn't really think it through much more than that. I self-managed them. They were very easy to do. I could jump on my bike and bike over to them if there was an issue to fix it. So that worked really well. And I bought, uh, I think about five of them and, and they went well. And all of that was kind of great until I had a child and then loved being a mom, you know, more than I, you know, really ever thought that I would, you know, had to go back to work and realize that assets on a spreadsheet aren't very helpful at paying for groceries for a kid and that time is you know really so important and so I really started to shift my thinking around having assets with this asset value but that aren't really generating meaningful cash flow on a monthly basis isn't really helpful I'm the breadwinner in my family if I suddenly got sick and couldn't go to work you know what would I do what would that look like and you know you can't easily liquidate those assets so I um, really started thinking about cash flow and then changing my strategy. And I then went back to thinking, what would this look like? So then I looked for sort of whether it was turnkey providers or properties elsewhere. And I decided that I would start to invest in a different market. And I researched a number of different markets, settled on Grand Rapids as a growing market, um, a diversified economy, lower cost housing, a market I really liked. And I bought um, a fourplex and two duplexes there. And I did a pretty good job. By that point, I was a bit of a smarter investor um, than I was when I bought my very first house a credit card and at least had researched the areas. I run the numbers really thoroughly, um, but they didn't make any money. But, you know, by the time I had to evict people, the maintenance costs cost continued to be continued to be sort of eaten into all of my profits. And so after nearly a year, I was like, this is not the answer either. This clearly is not um, a good cash flow strategy. So I sold them and I had 1031 exchanged into them and I sold them and wanted to 1031 exchange out of them, but effectively had a failed 1031 exchange because I couldn't find the right thing to buy that made sense. And I went on Frank Roth's mobile home park investing course, which was fantastic. You wanted to look at buying a mobile home, started learning about syndications and really thought, that this could be a different pathway for me. So I still had a busy job. Um, I had a busy job and and was the mum to a young kid. And so there weren't really enough hours in the day. And talking to so many active investors 
they're really fantastic active investors. It's so, it's so busy, that work. So I started to really see that syndications could be a good way forward. So that's really when I started my syndication investing journey. And then I started liquidating my single family home assets um, and have continued to invest in syndications for the last few years. And honestly, I've been delighted um, by that move. And I'm really, really happy in the syndication space. Um, I'm still a relatively young syndication investor. It's been, what, three years or so. Um, I'm in 11 different deals. I just signed up for two more actually this week. Um, so I like the space. I'm, re- I'm really happy with the space. It feels like the right fit for me. So I've come a little bit of a winding road to become a syndication investor, Rama. <laughs> Yeah, good to know that. So question is like, how do you find these uh, operators or sponsors in uh, from active side? Yeah, so I've done quite a lot of reading and quite a lot of networking. So the 506 investment group, I discovered them just sort of last year. And that really is a really fantastic resource that um, that platform um, is only available to passive investors. And they talk about different sponsors, different, you know, experiences they've had, um, sponsors they find helpful. Um, so I really find that a great resource. Um, other, other passive investors that I have met, for example, through the Best Ever Conference, um, has been a really good resource as well, just hearing about um, different sponsors they've had good experiences with, and of course, the ones that they've had not such good experiences with. So I kind of have my sort of list of people that I like and those that I am sort of probably going to avoid. Um, and then listening to um, the people who've been doing this for a lot longer than me, for example, people like Jeremy Roll, who are... Um, purely passive investors and, you know, have been doing this for for much longer than me and a much larger number of syndications in their experience. So I find those the most valuable resource, honestly. And then when I find a sponsor, of course, I try to get to know them and listen to whether it's their podcast or look at their profile online um, to see what is it that they're good at, what makes them, what's their area of sort of specialty and expertise and get comfortable with them. So before I invest so that's typically what i do good good so and what are all the factors you would consider before investing in any deal like economic or financial sponsor market submarket deal returns location class of property yeah, absolutely. So, um, and it's changing over time. So it's a great question. So when I initially started investing in syndications, you know, of course I reviewed the numbers. So for me, um, I want an IRR that's above 15%, you know, above 7% return on a monthly basis. And I typically look at the markets, um, which, you know, most passive investors are looking at and investing in, um, you know, Dallas, Orlando, and the Carolinas, and those really where, where you population trends and are working in your favor. I also have some investments in Cincinnati with a sponsor there who, who I really, really like, who knows that market sort of incredibly well. So I look at the market in the space. At the moment, I'm quite heavily invested in multifamily. Um, I do have um, an investment in a mobile home park fund with Frank Roth. That's performed really well. I'm really happy with that. And that, of course, is diversified over a large geography. And 
And currently, my goal is to diversify a little more into some slightly different spaces outside of multifamily. So at the moment, I'm looking at um, industrial investments with MAG Capital Partners, MAG, and um, also self-storage. Um, I know Spartan Investment do, do self-storage. There are, of course, many others. Um, I have not made an investment yet in self-storage, but I'm, I'm looking at, at that space. So I'm more focused on self-storage and industrial at this point in time, just as a mode of, of diversification. Cool. And what kind of due diligence you would perform before investing in any deal as a passive investor? Sure. So for me, it's more about the sponsor, to be completely honest. So my due diligence, I'm not suggesting other people should do this because I don't think my due diligence is very good. So I have a pretty fixed idea about what I'm looking for. So I know the markets and that I'd like. So a lot of markets I won't consider. Um, so for example, you know, Houston, I just think is a giant floodplain. Um, and so I avoid I avoid that. I'm sure there are parts of Houston that are not a giant floodplain, but um, you know, for me, I, I just eliminate those. I don't want anything on the coast in Florida, and I do, you know, I do like the Carolinas, for example, um, and Raleigh, Charlotte. Um, I've got some investments there that, that are performing well. I do like those markets, and so I eliminate a lot of deals just either the location and then the sponsors. There's particular sponsors that I follow that I like, um, and so most of my diligence is done up front. And I think that's the piece that's really important. And I'll give you an example. I signed up for a deal, I think it was last week or early this week, I forget the timing, it's been kind of a long week this week. And um, I had communicated with the sponsor. So I knew that this deal was coming. And I said, I don't want to miss it in my email, because we all get a little overwhelmed with our email inbox. Can you please like text me or something just to make sure that I don't miss out. And he sent the email out and I didn't miss it. I did see it. And I thought I'm going to look at this and evaluate this deal at the end of the day. He texted me two hours later and said, this deal is almost full. The deal was full within three hours. So some of the really good sponsors, you have to move quickly. There was a deal I received yesterday from MAG Capital Partners, and it was full today by this morning. So I think that you have to decide who you like, follow them, make sure that the deal basically pencils out and that it meets your criteria and then submit your soft commit. Because otherwise on some of these, you're just gonna miss out if you take too long. When I've Once I've done the soft commit, then I'm gonna go through most of the PPM. I'm gonna make sure that the, the numbers on the deal make sense to me um, and that I'm, I'm comfortable with it. And the comfort level for me is mostly, I'm gonna look at the debt. And most of the good sponsors do this anyway, but what debt do they have on the property and for what length of time? So I wanna make sure that they've got low interest debt for a long period of time um, and that they've got a way to kind of potentially buy down the rate or, fi or fix it, et cetera. So I wanna make sure that the debt's okay. And then I make sure that their, their expectations on exit aren't too high. And then I wanna make sure that their expectations of rent growth are realistic you know if, if it's a value add play which most of what I invest in is um, I don't invest in anything very high risk so I'm not interested in some of the higher return investments which might be for example a, an apartment that's 50% full and it's going to be a renovate and a big turnaround and you get no money for a year or two but then there's more returns at the end and I'm a more low risk investor cool so mainly you're looking for cash flow right correct yeah Cool. And as a passive investor, what kind of strategies you would follow, like from asset class wise, capital wise, or tax benefits wise, any, any other areas wise? 
Um, so I think one of the things that I don't hear people talk about a lot, which I think is a consideration for anybody thinking about switching from single family um, to multifamily, not to syndications. Um, I, did a I did a couple of 1031 exchanges. And when I did a basically a failed 1031 exchange, when I decided just to pay the capital gains tax on one um, single family, the capital gains tax bill was supposed to be $90,000 in my tax return. And I had invested in four different syndications that year. And my tax bill was $25,000. And it was so much lower because the, you get so many write downs from syndications. And I understand, of course, that everybody's tax situation is different. In California, capital gains tax is taxed, um, you know, very high. So, you know, that was potentially going to be challenging, but I just sort of had enough of single and small multifamily investing. I was pretty committed to, to syndication. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to pay the capital gains tax and move on. But in actual fact, my capital capital gains tax bill was significantly reduced due to the write downs. So that's been one of the really pleasant surprises of syndications is I knew that it was tax advantaged, but it, the tax advantage really, really helped me. And even my accountant was pleasantly surprised. So I think that that's one of the things to say to people is don't, don't be too scared of those capital gains tax bills when you're investing into syndications, because you may get a pleasant surprise just as I did. Cool. And how do you track your passive investment progresses and performances? Um, really badly. I'm probably the worst person at tracking it, to be honest. So I find at the moment, I have sort of a busy full-time job. Um, I work in infection prevention and of course there's a pandemic. So I'm just trying to survive on a daily basis. And um, I have a seven-year-old. So I'm the worst person to track them. I just make sure that money's coming in every month and a couple of times a year, I just do the math on a spreadsheet and just make sure that we've kind of been paid on them. And I do read the monthly or quarterly reports just depending on um, you know which one that the, the provider gives. Um, so that's really as much as I do, but I know that I should document them more accurately and I know that I should measure the returns more accurately. So don't do what I do would be my advice. Sure. So what do you do as a past minister if deal does not go well? So I have one that isn't going well right now. So I have a syndication and um, that I'm invested in with a sponsor who in fact is the most experienced sponsor um, that I'm invested with. And everything that could go wrong with this deal has gone wrong. And so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just give you the sort of down and dirty briefly. So, you know, they purchased this deal. It's in Atlanta. It's a very, very experienced sponsor who's been in operation for 16, maybe 20 years. And they had to turn over nearly all of the tenants there was a crime problem and a drug problem in the building. Um, they have police there on a regular basis. And then one of the buildings burnt down and then COVID hit. And it's just really been a nightmare. The only state, so I've received no returns on that property. Now the property was not supposed to give any returns for a year anyway, that was in the business plan. Um, but it's been nearly two years now of no returns. Um, one of the saving graces is that the proper, the operator is very experienced. And I think if it was a less experienced operator that didn't have such deep pockets, they would have walked away. So they haven't done a capital call. They haven't asked for more money. Um, they've had to put a lot of their own money and time into managing this. Um, so I, in a way, I'm relieved that it's such an experienced sponsor that knows how to handle these issues and um, is financially 
tooled up enough that they can handle it. But it has been very, very disappointing. And I think most disappointingly that a sponsor of that experience didn't have the right due diligence on the tenant base. From my perspective, quite honestly, I'm not sure what I would do differently next time. I'm not sure how I would find that information out as a passive investor. Um, But I am not investing in Atlanta. And I know that a lot of passive investors like that area. But I, I, you know, I've got one that's gone bad. So I'm just sort of avoiding that for now. And I'm, I have not invested further with that, with that particular sponsor. Okay, cool. And thanks for sharing that experience. And would you share any of your best passive investment experience so far, Kate? I think, you know, I discovered a, a syndicator and anybody who's, I, I'm happy to name, to name the, him and them. So SNS Capital, which are based out of Cincinnati and Jared Strum. And I think that the thing that I really like about him is Cincinnati isn't a city that every passive investor is interested in investing in. He knows that city incredibly well. So he's a much smaller sponsor than some of the other bigger players in the space, but he knows every street in Cincinnati. He knows every building he invests in. He's incredibly hands-on and very astute in terms of the building construction and how it's made and understands the talent base. And so whenever I see a deal come through from from that, from, from him and their group, I'm really excited. They don't have tons of deals, but what they do have, they manage exceptionally well. And um, I always feel really good about any opportunity to invest with them. So I would say that's been my most positive experience and honestly, just understanding the syndication space. I think there's many really good players in the space who do a really great job. And for someone like me, who is not fabulous at paperwork, um, who has a busy main job and is a mum and wants to, other areas of life are really busy. I have no desire to be an active investor, really just discovering the passive investment space and learning from others like in the 506 group, you know, has been a, a real blessing, honestly. Cool. And thanks for sharing that. You mentioned it's uh, SNL Capital. They're called SNS Capital. Okay. And Jared, Jared Strum is, the, is the, the guy behind that. Okay. Got it. And would you share any of your worst experience, worst passive investment experience? I think just the one I really talked about, you know, just in terms of the, I mean, I've not had any terrible experiences, truly, but the deal that I, I mentioned that has just kind of gone south from a big sponsor, and I won't mention their name because they, they are good. They just had an unfortunate experience, but I think that's my worst performing deal and, and being the most disappointing But as I say, I'm sort of delighted that they're still working through the issues and I don't think I'm going to lose my capital. I don't think I'm going to make any money on it, but I don't think I'm going to lose my capital. So I'm grateful to them for sort of sticking at it. Cool. And thank you. And what is your current focus on share something you're excited about now, Kate? I'm just really excited about learning about the industrial space and the self-storage space. I think, you know, I think the U.S. is coming out of this pandemic. Of course, that you know, that there are going to be many challenges, but I think as the U.S. kind of retools, I think there's really good opportunities. I, I, I think the opportunity really to diversify into those spaces, um, you know, is, is interesting for me. Cool. And any one advice that impacted you, Kate? 
when I was a young person in business, when I was 23, I met a much older gentleman who said to me, never be greedy. And I think about that with sponsors and that impacts my choice of sponsors with passive investors is there are some people who are just all about the money and all about, you know, them and their business. And I avoid those people like the plague because I think people who are greedy get get unstuck in business. So I think that's something that that is impactful from a passive investing perspective. Cool. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Um, so I think there are, there's one book that actually I'm, I've just recently read called The One Thing. Um, many people have read that. It's a sort of bestseller. It's kind of an impactful business book. That is the most impactful business book I've read in a very long time. Um, it really helps you to focus on one thing that makes a difference. So, you know, we all know about the 80-20 rule, but you basically, if you 80-20 something and then 80-20 that thing, and if you come up with like four things that give you the most results, or the most joy in your life or whatever it might be, then you take those four things and go, well, which of those four things, which is the one, which is of those things, which is the, you know, 20% of things that give you the 80% of results. And you just 80, 20 till you get to one thing. And you're like, okay, well, if there's one thing I could do that could make the biggest difference, what would it be? And I'm finding that very helpful um, in my professional life currently to make, you know, none of us have enough time to make sure that we really um, are focused on the right things that have the biggest impact. And I think it also allows you to not worry about the things that you don't get to that maybe are less impactful. So the one thing I'm finding really helpful, and that can apply to both professional and personal. Cool, cool. So how are you giving back to community, Kate? That's a really good question. I honestly just try to not bowl. That's about as much as I can do on a daily basis. So at the moment, I'm uh, homeschooling and working full time and investing in real estate. And so if I don't go insane on a daily basis, that's that's really my goal. So, you know, of course, we we give to charity. We we try and help our community. We do those things. But I, aside from that, I, I can't point to anything very inspiring or significant, quite frankly, which I no, it sounds terrible. It's okay. That's how can listeners can connect with you, Kate? Um, people can just can reach me um, via email. Um, my email is Kate Stevens, K A T E S T E P H E N S 007 at gmail.com. Cool. I'm really, you know, happy. I have no goals to be an active investor. Um, so I have, I'm not able to help anybody who's looking to do that, but I um, have benefited from the wisdom and experience of many others um, who have helped me on my investing journey. So um, if I can pay that forward and help people in any way, they're very welcome to reach out and I'll, I'll do my best to, to be honest and, and help where I can. Cool. And thank you, Kate. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful rest of the week. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.